I'm going to start out reading from Lamentations chapter 3. I'll give you about 15 minutes to find that in your Bible. Lamentations chapter 3, it says this. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. How many of you know that God is good? And it's good to wait for him. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we ask that you would speak to our hearts tonight. Reveal truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to preach a message to you tonight called Don't Waste Your Wait. Don't waste your wait. You're going to have to wait at times in life. So you might as well make the most of it. I never really enjoyed waiting in particular. Any of you guys like to wait? Like you find it enjoy? I just like letting everything marinate for a while. No, I'm impatient. And most of us are naturally impatient. I remember growing up, my dad kind of taught me this, I think. He taught me a lot of good things, but we would go to restaurants back in the day and you know, you'd show up and you'd go check in with the hostess and they'd say, it's going to be like a 20, 30 minute wait. I tell you what, if it was over a 20 minute wait with my dad, he was like, come on, get the kids, we're going. And I was like, dad, where are we going? And he's like, that's too long. We're not waiting for that. I'm like, by the time we get anywhere else, it's going to, we would have been seated, you know? And like, he just had that kind of mindset. And I grew up just feeling kind of like an impatient person. And I just think that naturally in life, we struggle to have patience, and yet we have to wait. I heard a story about a guy who was taken up to heaven, and he got to talk to God. And so he's like, I'm going to ask God some questions. He asked God, what's a million years like to you? And God said, it's like just a second. And he said, okay. He said, God, what's a million dollars like to you? And God said, it's like just a penny. And the guy thought about it and he said, I sure would like to get one of those pennies. And God said, okay, just a second. That's a dad joke. I can do that now. We've been waiting a lot more than usual even lately. I think about how when we had the stay home order with COVID, we had to stop gathering physically in March and we waited eight weeks to gather physically again. We started gathering again in May. And although it has been so good to gather again, man, isn't it good? There's nothing like being in God's presence with God's people. There's still a lot of our church family that's high risk or has underlying health conditions or takes care of someone who's high risk, and they haven't been able to gather yet. And those of you who I haven't been able to see in five months, I cannot express to you in words how much I miss you. It's really hard, honestly, harder than I would have ever expected. I guess I love you even more than I thought I, than I thought I did. But I mean, some of you, your faces I haven't seen in five months, and I miss you, and I know you miss being at church. Uh, and it's hard waiting for this thing to be behind us so that we can see each other face to face. This message about waiting, I think it applies to a lot of us. This is for the families who are waiting for their kids to get back in school and out of the house. This message is for single folks who've been waiting for years or even decades to find a spouse, and recent events have not helped your dating life, have they? This is for the young woman who wanted a baby in her 20s, and that turned into her 30s and into her 40s, and each month led to a new disappointment. This is for the parent of a prodigal child who is far from God, and you know it's God's will that none should perish, but that all would come to knowledge of the truth. But with each passing year, it seems like that child gets farther away from God. 
This is for the person who's been praying for physical healing for a long time and still nothing has happened. This is for those of you, God put a dream in your heart. Maybe it's a business or a ministry or a calling. And so far you've been waiting, wondering if your dream is just a fantasy. This sermon is for me, a pastor who misses all of his church and wants to see all of you face to face. So what do you do when God says to wait? Romans 8.25 says this. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Patiently and confidently. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And if you're new to Christianity, what that means is that when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you. And the longer you have a relationship with Jesus, the byproduct of that is you become more like Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit produces in you. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. It's nobody's favorite fruit. But it is one of them. You become more patient the longer you walk with the Lord. You know, I have a little seven-month-old, almost eight-month-old baby now. She's so beautiful, named Lila. And the tradition in our household right now is that I feed her around midnight. Amy does most of the rest. But I feed her around midnight, and it works out good because I'm a, I'm a night person. So I'll wake her up around midnight, and once her little brain registers that her stomach is hungry, she immediately starts a meltdown process. It just starts like, <laughs> and it goes increasingly frantic until you put that bottle in her mouth and all of a sudden she's instantly transformed into a sweet little cherub angel. <sighs> that behavior is cute in a little baby, but it's not cute coming from a 35-year-old man. I need to become more patient. We're supposed to wait with confidence. This word confidence, it comes from a Latin word that means with trust. Confident, with faith. How are you supposed to wait with faith? I think one of the ways is to remember that you're not the first man or woman of God who's had to wait for God. In fact, in Scripture, as you read the Word of God, you see that the people who God worked through the strongest usually had to wait the longest. They found themselves often waiting for God's timing. So I want to say this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. When you wait, you're in good company. It's not just you. Sometimes we're tempted to think, God, have you forgotten about me? I'm waiting here. And yet there's a lot of people of God who've had to wait for God's plan to come into fruition. I think about Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament who went their whole lives without having a child, and God promised them they would have a child, and it was 25 years from the promise of a child to the payoff of a baby. Or you think about the people of God, the Hebrew people who were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They knew their deliverance was coming, but 13 generations passed until it happened. And then when they were free, they walked across the Red Sea on dry land. God did miracles, and they must have been thinking, our time has come. And yet they had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years until they got to go into the promised land. Talk about a wait. Or think about David, who waited 15 years from the time of his consecration to be the future king of Israel until his coronation when he took the throne. Jesus, the Son of God, from the moment he was born, waited 30 years to start his ministry. How many of you guys, if you could walk on water, wouldn't have been showing off in your 20s? But Jesus waited. So I got to ask, why is there often such a wait between the consecration and the coronation? Or between God's promise 
and the payoff. It's because not every season is harvest season. This is not what we want to hear. We want every season to be harvest season. But the way that God designed the world, there are seasons where you plow and you plant and you water and you wait and you water and you wait. And then comes harvest season. And this pattern is woven into all parts of our society, but it can be frustrating to us because we want every season to feel like a harvest season. We want perpetual fulfillment in every aspect of our lives. We want to be continuously fulfilled in our relationships and our sex lives and finances and professional lives, but that's not the way it works. Oftentimes we've got to plow, we've got to plant, we've got to wait, we've got to water, we've got to wait some more, we got to wait some more, and then comes the harvest season. And we do okay during the planting and the watering because those are the seasons we can control. Oh, I can start the planning process. I can water and read some leadership development books. I can increase my knowledge. I can make some good connections. Oh, I'm planting. I'm watering. But then when I come to the point where I've done everything that I can do and I have to wait on what only God can do, that's when I start to struggle with my faith. But that's when we got to learn that not every season is harvest season. I want you to know that the time you spend waiting on God is not time lost. There's more happening than the eye can see. I think about the bamboo tree. The bamboo tree, when you plant one of these seeds, you'll water the seed and a year will go by. And you'll water the seed some more and another year will go by. And then another year. And then another year. And after five years of watering and waiting, this tree will shoot up out of the ground 90 feet in six weeks. And you know there's someone there saying, you're an overnight success. <laughs> but there's a lot of people who struggle to trust God's timing, and they want results that look a lot more like a Chia pet. You guys remember the Chia pets, right? Here I got a turtle. I like turtles. And you can get a dog one. You can get a Bob Ross Chia pet, you know. And it grows super quick, like two weeks. These Chia seeds sprout up, go to completely amazing levels. And then... They die. And just like about two weeks, it just wilts away. It's, it's sad. It's, it's. <laughs> See, when we're waiting for growth to happen, it seems like oftentimes nothing is happening. But there's usually a lot more going on beneath the surface than we realize. And I know a lot of people, they're a lot more like that chia pet than the bamboo tree. They want instant growth. They want instant fulfillment and gratification. And some ways they might get it for a moment. But the thing is, when you rush ahead of God's timing and you try to rush the harvest season, it never lasts. Both the bamboo tree and the chia pet look like an overnight success. But the bamboo tree was an overnight success five years in the making. When you rush ahead of God, you'll find yourself oftentimes in the place you wanted to be but without the strength you needed to stay there. I've seen leaders who rush to seize more responsibility and opportunity and notoriety, but their character can't keep them where their gifting got them. I've seen lonely people, and they're really lonely, and my heart goes out to them, but they rush into marriage, and then they end up disappointed in a lonely marriage. 
or I've seen people who can't manage their household budget try to start a business and it turns into a mess. I want you to know that when you're waiting, God is working and usually he's working on you. He's working on you. It's kind of like this. Today when I take a picture of my little baby, I grab this, my iPhone. It's so convenient, isn't it? I mean, I can just snap a picture and instantly it's focused and I can crop it in a second if I need to add some filters, I do that. And then I can upload it to the Instagram, which really says a lot about what it is. It's instant, snap and upload. But it wasn't always that way, was it? This is a modern invention. In fact, I thought about how one of the first gifts I ever gave my wife, Amy, was a Canon PowerShot digital camera. It was purple, because she's a boss. But now it's obsolete. A little while ago, pictures used to be done a little bit more like this. You guys remember these? The Polaroid camera. It was an amazing invention. You could get a picture in just three minutes. Isn't that amazing? Come on. I mean, you can just pull it out and then shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it like a Polaroid picture, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty convenient. If you, say, if you ask me. But before that, you had to wait even longer. You got one of these guys when you went on vacation or a trip with the family, a 35-millimeter camera. Maybe yours was disposable like mine. Or if you were fancy, you had something different. But you could take a picture, and then you had to do this. <laughs> Remember that? And you have to do all. And you would use the last couple shots whether you had anything to take a picture of or not, right? You just like take a picture of your wall or your cat because you're going to go take it to get developed. And you turn your film in to the photo development place and then you'd wait for three or four days hoping that all your shots weren't of your own finger in front of the lens. The thing is that 35 millimeter film, it had to go into a dark room so that an image could be developed on the negative. And if you rushed the process, if light got on that film before it was developed, it would destroy the image. So the thing is, when it comes to God, he doesn't do iPhones. He doesn't do Instapics. He does 35 millimeter film. He develops us. And oftentimes it takes longer than we'd like it to. But when God wants to do something great in our lives, he lets us oftentimes wait in what feels like a dark room. But that's actually a place of development. Sometimes it's days or months or years or decades because he wants to develop his image in you before he does a great work through you. He doesn't want us conformed to the pattern of this world, but transformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And it happens through waiting. Maybe you're in a season of waiting and you're like, why is this happening? The thing is, I don't know, but I do know this. A waiting season is never a wasted season. You need to believe that because in that season of waiting, God is working on you. He's teaching you. He's strengthening you and developing you into the image of his son, Jesus. And too often we'll ask, God, why are you letting me go through this? Or when are you going to answer my prayer, Lord? And we should be asking, Lord, what? What are you trying to do in me? What are you trying to teach me? What weakness in my life needs to be strengthened? What character flaw needs to be addressed, Lord? I think about in 1 Samuel 16, David was anointed to be the next king of Israel. Where did he go after this moment of being anointed, being consecrated by the prophet? Did he go to the palace? Did he go to the Hebrew bachelor edition to find a wife worthy of a king? No, he went back to the pasture. 
he learned to trust God in the waiting. He learned to protect people by protecting his sheep from the lion and the bear. Long before he fought the giant, he was fighting off predators who were attacking his sheep. He later said that as a king, he was the shepherd of Israel. Where did you think that he learned to think like a shepherd? And while he was waiting in the pasture, it's where theologians believe he was inspired to write Psalm 23, maybe the greatest psalm of all the psalms, but how do you pick a favorite? But Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. So think about writing this out while you're waiting to be king. Seven years in the pasture, and you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean, I shall not want? I lack nothing. I lack nothing. I need for nothing because the Lord is taking care of me. You're telling me you're going to be the next king and there's nothing you want? That's not how I would feel. I'd be out there like, I just can't wait to be king. Right? And then he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. That's a way of saying, the Lord is taking care of me. He's providing for my needs, and he is restoring my soul by letting me go through this season of learning and rest. And you think about this scene, it's very peaceful, isn't it? Green pastures, still waters. You can just hear the bubbling brook, and you're lying down knowing that the good shepherd is taking care of you and protecting you from predators. See, when we go through seasons of waiting, I think oftentimes God wants us to be restored in our soul during those seasons. It's supposed to be peaceful and restful, but because we fail to trust our shepherd, it becomes panicked and restless. We need to wait on the Lord and trust his timing. Jesus called himself not just a shepherd, but the good shepherd. He's the God who never fails. He's taking care of our souls even when we don't realize it. Amen, church? Wait on the Lord. Here are a few words of caution when it comes to waiting. Just some things I've seen people struggle with. I've struggled with these things. Maybe this will help you. The first one is this. Don't confuse worrying for waiting. Don't confuse worrying for waiting. Sometimes people say they're waiting and they're actually delaying. They're not waiting. They're worried. They know what God's called them to do, but they're afraid. I've seen, let's say, young ladies who they want a husband. They want to get married. I hate being single, she says, but her friends from church try to set her up with a nice Christian boy who loves Jesus. But every guy she goes out with, she finds something wrong with him because she's been hurt in the past, and she's actually worried about committing to someone else. I've seen guys who are called into ministry, and they know God has a call on their life, but they're worried about leaving a job and financial security. I get it. It might be someone who's young and healthy with no pre-existing health conditions who hasn't left their house in five months because they've let their fear of a virus grow bigger than their faith in God. It's worry. If worry is stopping you, that's not waiting. That's delaying. Don't let fear of the unknown stop you from going where God calls you. Have you let the voice of fear get louder than the voice of God? Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is a lamp to our feet. So why do we sometimes worry when God calls us? It's because we want a map, but he gave us a lamp. I want a map, y'all. 
See, a map tells you where you are, tells you all the directions, tells you how long it's going to take, when you're going to get there, and your destination, what it looks like. But that's not what God gave us, is it? I'm preaching now. He gave us a lamp. Right, a lamp. You carry that lamp along. The problem with the lamp is the only part of the path it lights is the part you're walking on. So that means that there are some questions you will ask that won't get answered until you step out. There are some worries that you have in your heart that won't go away until you begin to walk. Because his word is a lamp. That's how he chooses to work. He works through those who have enough faith to step out. And go where he calls. Doesn't matter whether or not you feel like it's right. I hear too often people saying, I just don't feel ready. When God calls you, it doesn't matter whether or not you feel like it's the right time. It's the right time. God's calling doesn't wait on my comfort level. Here's the next word of caution. An open door isn't always the right door. I know we just said you don't want to get behind God and delay, but you also don't want to get ahead of him. We don't want to just trust his plan. We want to trust his timing. Not every open door is from God. Now, I've been the lead pastor of this church for five or six years now, and before that, I was a pastor on staff at this church, and my dad was the pastor, and I was serving him. And I still remember two years before I became the lead pastor, I was sitting in this room in Mesa, and the church was much smaller back then. It looked very different than it does now, and I got a call from another pastor, And he said, hey, Ryan, we just finished building a building at my church, but I feel like God's calling me somewhere. I'm going to resign, and I feel like you should come and be the next pastor of this church as the lead pastor. And when he said that, I was like, tell me more. This sounds like a cool opportunity. This is an open door. But I felt like in that moment, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, that's not the right door for you. And I'm like, are you sure, Lord? Come again? I think you broke up there for a second. (laughs) I said, it feels like it could be the right opportunity. I mean, my ego feels right about it. My bank account feels like it's the right time for a raise. But God said, do you want the right opportunity or do you just want a right now opportunity? It would have been fun, it would have been cool, but it wasn't the right thing at the right time. And I can tell you what, I'm so glad that I waited for God's timing. Think about Abraham and Sarah. They were promised that they would receive a child. They ended up waiting 25 years for that promise to be fulfilled. Let's not take that for granted. Let's think about that for a second. That'd be like if you were still waiting on a promise God made you in 1995. (laughs) In 1995... Best Oscar went to Forrest Gump. Top of the charts songs, Coolio's, Gangster's Paradise, TLC's, Waterfalls. That's what was happening in 1995. Could you imagine you're still waiting on that promise to be fulfilled? You can understand why Sarah struggled to trust God. She made it 11 years waiting and trusting God. Man, that's pretty impressive. But then... She kind of had a rough patch where she tried to take things into her own hands. She was sick of waiting for that child. And so what she did is she brought her maidservant, her assistant, if you will, named Hagar. I assume she was better looking than her name sounded. She brought her to Abraham, her wife, and, and she said, her husband, I mean. She brought Hagar to her husband, said, I want you to give me a baby. I want you to have sex with Hagar and give me a baby. And Abraham was like, well, if you say so. 
dumb, right? And they gave birth to this child named Ishmael. But it wasn't the child that God had promised them. They tried to take God's plan into their own hands. And this child, Ishmael, became a source of contention. And traditionally, historians believe that all the Muslim and Arab people in the world today came through the descendants of Ishmael. They've been at war, at conflict with God's people ever since it happened. All as a result of trying to take God's plan and make it fit into our own schedule. When we force God's plan into our schedule, sometimes it'll give us a short-term payoff but result in long-term pain. It's like the guy, he gives up waiting for Mrs. Right and settles for Mrs. Right now. That's giving birth to an Ishmael. The person that wants a ministry, they want a platform, but they want to skip their time in the pasture. Or maybe let's just say we want a bigger house, a nicer car, and we take on an unreasonable amount of debt, and that becomes a burden in the future. Man, when you rush like that, it's like giving birth to an Ishmael. I think about how parents who have prodigal children, man, they want their kids to be saved so desperately. They give up their own spot in heaven to see that child come to know the Lord, and yet they'll try to control the child into doing the right thing, but that can damage the relationship. That's like giving birth to an Ishmael. The only thing harder than waiting for God is wishing you had. Don't rush his timing. People will say, but God is opening a door in my life. I just got to ask you, how do you know that's God? Because we have an enemy that will open doors in your life as well. The devil opened a door for Jonah to get on a boat and go in the opposite direction of where God had called him. He gave Eve an open door to eat fruit from a forbidden tree. He gave Jesus an open door to take control of the kingdoms of the world before God's appointed time. Not every open door is from God because we have an enemy working to open the wrong doors. He'll give you an open door to sleep with a stranger after a few swipes. He'll give you an open door to leave the place he called you. So, man, we don't want to get ahead of God's timing. We don't want to be behind God's timing. Every open door that we see should be evaluated through the lens of God's word and prayer and wise counsel. God's word, prayer, and wise, emphasis on wise counsel. Not just the people who you know will tell you exactly what you want to hear. Wise counsel, praise the Lord. Long seasons of waiting can be really difficult, though, and we know that that's true. You think about Abraham and Sarah waiting all that time for a baby. My wife and I, when we got married, started trying to have a baby after a while, waited six years about till that became a reality. And it's hard to wait. It's hard. It's painful when you want a spouse, when you want to get out of a dead-end job and do your own thing, when you want to go to the thing that God's called you to and you're waiting, it's hard. I read Proverbs 13, 12 many times. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And I would read this verse, and I don't think I was always interpreting it the right way. I would read it like this. Man, when what you want is deferred and you have to wait a long time, eventually it can make you heart sick. But man, when your desires are fulfilled, that's like a tree of life. And isn't it great? And I would struggle with this verse because it felt like God shouldn't admit that when you have to wait, it makes you heart sick. Oh my God, you shouldn't admit that. But then this last week when we were doing our time of prayer and fasting, the Lord gave me some revelation. Isn't it cool how when you tune out some of the noise in your life, it makes it easier to hear God's voice? That's why times of prayer and fasting are so beneficial. And I was like, God, this verse 
it's kind of weird. Like, I get it, and I've waited before for things, and I felt heart sick. But I don't know what to, to really do with this. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you're reading it wrong. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, read it slower. Read the words. <laughs> and then I realized that what I was doing was projecting the second half of this verse onto the first half. I thought what it was saying was that if you have to wait for what you want, eventually it'll make you heart sick. But that's not what it said. It said hope defer makes the heart sick. It's not having to wait that makes the heart sick. It's when you lose hope. It's when hope is scattered. It's when hope escapes you. That is what makes the heart sick. So the key to waiting well is never lose hope. Never lose hope. No matter how long it takes or what it looks like, or what the doctors say. Man, Abraham and Sarah were well past the age of giving birth, but never lose hope. Romans 4.18 says, Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, That's how many descendants you will have. Look at what's happening here. It says, There was no reason to hope. Abraham and Sarah were senior citizens. They had their AARP membership. They were old. There was no reason for hope. But it says Abraham kept hoping. How did he do that? How did he pull that off? What did he do that we can learn from? He kept believing what God had said. He went back. What did God say? It's not about what I see. I'm going back to what God said. God said that's how many children I would have. Yes, I know I'm old and not everything works the way that it used to. But God said that's how many descendants I would have. And I'm encouraging you tonight, even when it seems like there's no reason for hope, no logic reason for hope. That's when faith steps in and says, there is a way to believe. Go back to the promises of God. All of his promises are yes and amen. His word does not return void. It never fails. What did God say? Think about Lamentations 3 where we started, where it said, it's good to wait on the salvation of the Lord. That was written by the prophet Jeremiah. But let's read the verses before that. What was happening right before that? It says this, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Here it is. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. And then he says, it is good to wait for the salvation of the Lord. Even when I don't understand what you're doing, Lord, I trust who you are. Your love never ceases. Your mercy never comes to an end. You are faithful. I don't understand the plan, but I know your heart. I know that you're for me. I know that you've never failed me. And that's true for you, church. He's never failed you, and he won't start now. His love is steadfast. He is faithful. His mercy is never in. He's got a second chance and a third chance for you. His plan is still happening. It just might not be happening when you wanted it to. But he's working. There's growth taking place underground and behind the scenes. The Lord is good. He gives us hope. 
Romans 15 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our God is the God of hope. Who's your God? My God is the God of hope. So I can have hope. Never lose hope. Because we know who he is. Amen? He's a good father. He's the God of hope. Don't mistake his silence for absence. He's not just the alpha who starts things. He's the omega who finishes things. And he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete that good work. So don't lose hope. And I want to say this. If you've been waiting for a long time for what it is that you've had in your heart to come true, to come into reality, to be real, and you feel tired, I want to say this, when you're tired of waiting, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. When you feel worn out, when you feel like you can't wait any longer, wait on the Lord. What does that mean? Isaiah 40 says, but those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And that's a great verse. You probably have it on a coffee mug at home. Super great and inspiring. But you got to understand what it's really saying. Waiting on God does not equal passivity. It's not saying that you're in the waiting room with your magazine until your number is called. And in the meantime, there's nothing really happening. Waiting on the Lord is serving the Lord. It's like, have you ever been to an amazing restaurant? Like, I've been to some amazing restaurants where... The service is just so top-notch. You know, you'll be, you'll be drinking your drink, and before you even get to the bottom, there's a waiter there like, how can I serve you? I'm going to fill your drink up. Let me take your plate. That's amazing. And that's the way we're supposed to wait on the Lord. Lord, how can I serve you? I'm in this season of waiting, but how can I answer what you've called me to? How can I be faithful to you today? It's not by sitting by passively that your strength is renewed, which is what we often think. That makes more sense. When you feel tired, you're tempted to think, I need to just chill and not do anything. But what God's teaching us is that when we serve him, he renews our strength. That's what enables us to walk and not faint. So when you're tired of waiting, wait on the Lord. I think about when we were waiting to have a child and we had this season of infertility, which was very difficult. I mean, we cried some tears. I'll be honest, we had times we asked God, like, why? Is this a curse? I knew theologically that it wasn't, but I still found myself asking it. And we were wondering, like, what God's plan was. We felt like, man, this is not the way this is supposed to look. We're too pretty not to have children. <laughs> But even in this season of struggling, right, the Lord started to speak to our hearts. And he spoke to my wife first, I think, and he showed her, I don't want your life to be defined by what you're waiting for. I don't want people to encounter you as a daughter of God with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you and see your grief shining greater than your joy. And so she decided, I'm not going to grieve in this season like those who have no hope. I'm going to serve the Lord. And we changed our mindset, and the Lord helped us in this, helped us to change our mindset 
and see, man, this is an opportunity to serve the Lord. We, we have no kids in our house. We can really serve the Lord right now. We're leading this church, and we know God has big plans for this church. And so, man, we can really put all of our time and our energy into it like we wouldn't have been able to do if we had little kids at home that needed us. It just wouldn't have been possible. And in that season of just being able to really plant and water and plant and plow and water, God did great things. And this church, by God's grace, grew exponentially, and thousands of people accepted Jesus in that season where we were waiting on the Lord. And we saw there's other opportunities with this. Man, we can enjoy life. We don't want to waste this chance to go out and travel and pick up at a moment's notice and go shopping because you can't do that when you have babies, right? You got to have a plan. And we knew that, man, when we don't have kids, every night can be date night. And we can Netflix and chill whenever we want. Emphasis on the chill. This moment doesn't doesn't come all the time. Doesn't, it's not something we should take for granted. We don't want to waste this weight. And man, God really used that season. I wouldn't trade it for anything. If anything had happened differently, our little baby girl wouldn't have come into our life the way she did. And she's perfect. She is such a gift from God. I'm so grateful for her now that she's seven, eight months old. And I'm so glad that we waited on the Lord. His plan was perfect. And it wasn't based on all the things happening according to our timeline and wish list, but rather according to God's timeline and his will. He's faithful. He's loving. His mercy never ceases. So wait on the Lord. And don't waste that wait. Use that time. Wherever God has you, let him restore your soul as you serve him. And you'll never regret it. Whenever you're tempted to fear that God may have forgotten you, maybe he's forgotten you, just say again, never lose hope. It says in Psalm 27, I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That needs to be our prayer. God, I don't know what's going to happen or when it's going to happen, but I'm confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Maybe it's a prodigal child who's far from God. Man, maybe it's a business you've been waiting to get started or a spouse that you've been looking for or a job that you've wanted or a baby you've been praying for. Your day is coming. You can hold on, right? Your harvest season is coming. What you sow in tears, you will harvest with shouts of joy, Psalm says. So wait on the Lord. And I'm going to close with this. Sometimes I think it helps to remember how God waited for you. It's not a one-way street where we're just waiting on God. God waited for you. He waited for you. Think about 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the dead and he defeated sin and death. He could have ended sin right then and there. He could have wiped out all rebels right then and there and established his kingdom on this earth. But he ascended into heaven and he is waiting according to God's plan to return and establish his kingdom on this earth. God doesn't like sin. The fact that there are rebels who reject his love does not please him. Injustice in the world today does not please him. If you've ever asked, God, why do you let bad things happen? Why aren't you doing anything about this? The truth is that God could, but he's waiting. What's he waiting for? He's waiting for you. If he had ended things sooner, you wouldn't be here right now. It says in 2 Peter, the Lord isn't really slow about 
His promise, as some people think, no, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Why was God waiting? Why is Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven waiting to return and establish his kingdom? Because he was waiting for you to be born and for your eyes to be open that Jesus is the Son of God so that you could put your faith in him and receive eternal life. God waited for you patiently to the day that you would accept Jesus. Aren't you glad that he waited for you? And he's waiting for everyone who is chosen to become his child. And we don't know how long it's going to last. It could be during our lifetime or the lifetime of our kids or grandkids. We don't know. But I know this. If you haven't yet accepted Jesus as your Lord, you don't want to lose that opportunity. You don't want to waste that opportunity to accept him. So I'm going to do this. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. I hope that this message is encouraging to anyone who's waiting on the Lord. But I want to say, if you're here, if you're with us online, and you have not received Jesus as your Savior, this could be your moment. This could be the moment that God's been waiting for, for you to say yes to him and accept him. And maybe you feel right now the Lord stirring something in your heart, and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came into this world and he lived a perfect life that you could never live, that he died on the cross to pay the price for your sins, and that he rose again to prove that he is who he said he was and to show you the promise of eternal life that waits for all who trust in him. Maybe that's you tonight, and you say, that's me. I know this is my moment. Then I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I want you just to take this opportunity. This is your opportunity to accept Jesus. Just pray with me and say, God, I need you. I want you. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose again. I want to follow Jesus from this day forward. I don't want to waste another moment. I'm never taking your love for granted. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.